to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yanks, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and I'm your host, Don. Thanks for listening. Today, I'll be discussing the Yankees not slowing their roll one bit, and the New York Rangers free agents and off-season needs. So let's go ahead and get started. So the Yankees are not slowing their roll one bit as they just plow through the American League like the Death Star of Yankee teams past, right? Remember they used to call the Yanks the Death Star? And boy, they sure look like it again. The Yankees are 46 and 16 as I record this podcast, and they are just killing it, killing it. Now, on my last podcast, I cautioned everyone to kind of pump the brakes on the comparisons to that great 1998 team, and I would still caution against that. That said, this year's team keeps on rolling. There's been two more great pitching performances, one by Cole, one by Nestor Cortez against the Rays this week since the last podcast I recorded, and the Yanks just keep on winning. Aaron Judge continues his MVP-like season. IKF is pretty competent at shortstop. Trevino is kind of a joy to watch behind the plate. And also at bat as well. He gets some big hits. The other starters, right, besides Colin Cortez, have pitched fantastically, you know, as well as anyone can hope. But the Yanks have to kind of guard against some complacency here, though, because unlike that 1998 team, which all these comparisons have been out there, uh, this year's team is not as good an all-around team as that one was, right? There, there's some clear, clear weaknesses in this team. There was not in that team they're being compared to. Hicks is a disaster, both at the plate and in the field, right? The relief pitchers outside of homes really, really have struggled. So the Yankee pen is not great. Joey Gallo is a joke. Come on. Though Higgy hit a few homers recently, I mean, he's been mostly a joke hitting at the plate this year. So unlike the 98 team, this team has real actual holes. All of them are being covered up by the elite starting pitching, kind of as I mentioned last week, right, that the Yankee starters continue to provide game after game after game. The Yankees get great starting pitching every game. And when you get that, no matter what else is going wrong with your team, it doesn't matter a lot, right? If you're, you're starting pitchers throwing up zeros, it really doesn't matter about the rest of the team. And so the Yanks are continuing to win. But it's important for Cashman, our GM, to look for ways to improve this team at the trade deadline and not just sit back on our ass and wait for, you know, an inevitable implosion because that's what's going to happen when you have weaknesses that you don't address, right? These starters cannot continue at this rate all year long. I know they're doing really well and they're having a magical season and it's going farther than I ever thought and maybe it'll go most of the year, but let's face it, at some point, the starters are going to struggle and the team is going to need to find ways to win, playing good defense and not striking out and we need to improve our team a little bit. This team does sure look for real here in June, but let's not bet, you know, and hope that they'll be that way by August, especially with 45 of the remaining 102 games I read, <laughs> right? 45 of the remaining games, almost half, are against the Astros, the Rays, the Blue Jays, and the Red Sox. So half of the remaining games are very tough, you know, so let's, let's you know, make sure we're stocked up and ready to go. Uh, a couple other quick odds and ends here, and then I'm going to go ahead and talk a lot about the Rangers. So a few more things about the Yankees. There was a 15-minute delay Wednesday night in the Yankee game with the umps just deciding if Aaron Boone could make a friggin' pitching change. What a fucking joke. I mean, are you kidding me? 
deciding for 15 minutes, stopping the game. Well, he came out. Did the other guy actually get announced? Oh, my God. This, the umps need to make a real decision. And, and you cannot have this in baseball. It ended up not mattering. You know, after all that, they decided Boone was right and he could make the pitching change. He changed the pitcher and the pitcher got blasted. Licky got lit up anyway and gave up a couple runs. So, you know, the bottom line is it didn't matter. The Yankees bullpen is not that great. And, um, you know, you cannot stop the game for 15 minutes just deciding if someone can come out to the mound and make a pitching change. Uh, anyway, you know, in my mind, I always had a question about that anyway. Um, he had pitched the minimum three batters. I don't care how many mound appearances there had been. Can't you take your pitcher out at any time in the world? I know you can't make, you know, a mound visit and not change the pitcher, but he was going out to change the pitcher. So I don't understand what the restriction was, but I don't care. And it didn't matter anyway because he made the change and, it, and the pen still sucked and gave up runs. With DJ... Hitting only 260 or so. Um, not great, but we've experimented with having Aaron Judge hit the leadoff spot so far, and we'll see how that goes. I actually like it. I think it's been good so far, and getting him more plate appearances is not the worst thing. Um, Aaron Hicks is unwatchable. <laughs> every single at-bat in a big spot, he chokes, he strikes out, he gets booed every time. Aaron Hicks sucks enough. Get rid of him. Mr. Mustache Man, Matt Carpenter, is just continues to be a fun story. Hitting big home runs, coming back at age 36. <laughs> I love the mustache, man. Um, John Carlos Stanton, last point. Well, one of the last points. He's doing okay now, right, Stanton? Um, I'd like for him to seem more like a great player, the player that he can be, than a pretty good player, which is kind of how he's playing now. Stanton looked great earlier in the year. But he sort of has quietly recessed into just being okay at the plate and fielding very, very poorly in right field. So, um, again, so much of this stuff gets, gets, you know, covered up. When your pitching is great, you don't notice Stanton instead of being great suddenly, you know, getting one hit every two or three games or, you know, misjudging ball after ball in right field because you're winning anyway. So, so no one talks about it, but he needs to get out of this funk and continue to be the great player he is and not you know, just be the average to pretty good player that I'm seeing right now in the last two or three weeks. Last Yankee point for sure. I can't wait for the Yankees-Mets series this year. The Mets are killing it in the National League. Best record in the National League. Yanks are killing it in the American League. Best record in the American League and all of Major League Baseball. The Yankee-Mets series is going to have some fire, some grit, and I can't wait for it whenever it comes. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the New York Rangers. Well, now that my hockey season is over, as my beloved Rangers lost in the Eastern Conference Finals in six games at the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, I wanted to take some time and reflect on that before I talked about them more. And I've done that for most of this week. And I've reflected on the Rangers. Excellent, excellent season, and I wanted to talk a little bit more about where the Rangers go from here. I wanted to discuss which Rangers and talk about, you know, which Rangers are free agents and talk a little bit about the areas the Rangers need to improve this offseason. Obviously, they overperformed. Before we start and talk about anything, you know, the Rangers were not expected to go nearly as far as they did in the hockey playoffs this year. Let's face it, man, getting to Game 6 in the Eastern Conference Finals was spectacular. 
I thought they actually could have gone farther. You know, I, going into the playoffs, I didn't think so. But um, as the playoffs progressed with how they were playing, boy, it was certainly disappointing at the end. But when you step back like I did the last week and look at everything, man, you can't help but being impressed with how well they played given the personnel that they have. But obviously, there's room for improvement. And they have to make some improvements to be on par with all the rest of the elite teams in the NHL. So let's start with the current Rangers, who are now free agents. And for reference, I want to talk a little bit about definitions in case there's folks listening that don't know the difference between a restricted free agent and an unrestricted free agent. So a restricted free agent, those are players who can receive offer sheets from other NHL teams, right? And if that player signs that offer sheet, then the Rangers, as a restricted free agent, can retain that player by matching that exact contract. Years, dollars, incentives, all that. Um, offer sheets, actually, in the NHL are very, very rare in hockey. For whatever reason, they just they really just don't happen. Um, so a player that is a restricted free agent, or RFAs, as they're called, uh, usually they can be retained by the Rangers and NHL teams if they want, right? If the two sides can agree on a contract. Unrestricted free agents on the other hand, are just that. They're unrestricted. So just like in baseball or any other sport, they can sign anywhere for any amount with any team they want. So restricted, Rangers have a chance to match any offer, and generally a lot of offers don't happen. Unrestricted, player can do whatever the hell they want. So let's look at the Ranger free agents, right? Um, Tyler Mott is a winger. And he is an unrestricted free agent, right? So he can go anywhere. In my mind, the Rangers have to find a way to keep Tyler Mott. Mott was everything, everything the Rangers need in a bottom six winger, right? He has a low cost. He makes just over a million dollars a year. He contributes on the penalty kill. He has speed. He has great, a great high energy style of game. Perfect for the playoffs, right? He checks well. He's an excellent uh, person to dig in the corners, negate icings, um, put out there against other teams, top players. He does great on the penalty kill, as I mentioned. Uh, and again, he makes very little amount. The Rangers have to find a way to bring him back because I don't know who you're going to get for that low of money, amount of money that you can um, contribute that kind of you know effort. He was great when he came back in the playoffs. They got him at the trade deadline, so the Rangers haven't seen a lot of him. But what they have, he's been exactly, exactly the kind of player and more of that kind of player. I'm going to talk later about what the Rangers need in the offseason. They need more Tyler Motts. They need skill too, but they need these kind of hard-nosed, gritty, fast, you know, defensive players that can negate other teams. So I want him back. Next, Frank Vitrano. He's also a winger and also an unrestricted free agent. Um, he makes more money, though, uh, than, than Mott. He also came over at the trade deadline. The Rangers have a very tight salary cap situation going into this offseason. They do not have a lot of money to, to spend. And so with some of the other things I'm going to be talking about in a few minutes— it seems like it's going to be hard to bring Vitrano back to the team. I happen to very much like Vitrano. I do. Um, it's just hard to see how they can fit him in under the cap. Vitrano's got a great shot. He is a shoot-first player, which the Rangers are in dire need of. And he plays really well with Mika and Kreider. I just don't think they have enough room to get him. I mean, I really liked him. He scored some big goals in a regular season and in the playoffs. He was the one that actually scored that tying goal in Game 6 when 20 seconds later, friggin' Stamco scored the game winner against us. 
Um, but it's a shame. I mean, he's one of the few Rangers, as I discussed, that who doesn't have the pass the puck too much disease. You know, that the rest of the Rangers seem to be infected with. Let's make the perfect pass nine times in a row rather than actually shooting. But Vetrano doesn't have that problem. He gets the puck, he shoots the puck, and he's got a great shot. Um, but it's just, I'd be happy to see him back. I just don't see it happening. He's going to probably warrant, you know, three or four million. And with the Rangers tight, tight cap space, I, I just don't see it. Uh, Andrew Kopp and Ryan Strom. So we'll start with Andrew Kopp. Both of them are centers. Both of them are now unrestricted free agents, so they can go anywhere. Kopp was brought over at the training deadline, and he was one of our best acquisitions, although we gave up you know, a lot to get him. We gave up a first-round pick and two other picks, as well as Morgan Barron, to get Kopp for three months. Um, Kopp is a really good two-way center and forward. And he's a pretty good face-off person as well, which the Rangers are absolutely in dire need of. Um, there's a couple things the Rangers need this offseason, which I want to talk about. One is someone who can win friggin' face-offs. For the love of God, we are dying this year for face-offs. I said it all year. I said it in the playoffs. I'm saying it again. Get someone who can win a fucking face-off, Jerry, for the love of God. Cop is decent. He's not a great face-off man, but he wins at least half or more. And at this point on the Rangers, that's like gold. That That's like another team having a 60% winner, you know, because the Rangers are like 40% face-off wins as a team. And they suck balls in face-offs. And they have to be able to get it because they never have possession of the damn puck. And when you continue to lose face-offs, you never have the damn puck. Cop will be expensive. You know, if there's room to sign him, I think it would be a good signing. But there is an awful lot to consider at center. It's kind of a tangled web here for the Rangers at center. And the Rangers have a lot of sort of balls in the air here to discuss. Namely, uh, Ryan Strom, which is the next person I want to talk about, also a center and also an unrestricted free agent. I would want to say this to start out with Strom. Performance in the playoffs matters. It matters a lot. Earlier in the year... I talked a lot about how I liked Strom and I wanted Strom back. But as the season progressed, I said that less and less so, and I started thinking that they needed to let Strom go. Strom continued in the regular season to produce less, miss empty net after empty net. For the love of God, how does how does one person miss more open nets than, than Ryan Strom? I started to hate him more and more, right? And I started to let you guys know on the podcast that I did. Strom was utterly ineffective in the playoffs, right? Performance in the playoffs matters, and Strom sucked balls in the playoffs. He was terrible. And he was apparently hurt as well, he said afterwards. So, you know, maybe that's the reason, whatever. I'm sorry, but it's hard for me to see Strom on this team next year, even though I know he and Panarin were very effective together, but in the regular season only. They were not effective together at all in the playoffs. Strom had a you know, had Strom, I would, I should say, had a good playoffs, I would probably be advocating for him to be brought back. But I'm sorry, hurt or not, he was dog shit in the friggin' playoffs. He missed more open nets, and now he's likely played his last game as a Ranger. Capo Caco is a winger. Um, he's a restricted free agent. Kako had a pretty good run in the playoffs, although he was benched in the very last game of the Tampa series, which shocked everyone. I mean, he proved to be a pretty good corner player um, after he came back from injury, and he showed a good ability to kind of hold on to the puck under pressure in the corner while he's being dogged by, you know, people trying to check him. 
He doesn't shoot enough, though. And like many rangers, you know, he has the disease that, you know, I must pass the buck. Unless another team, I would say, because he's a restricted free agent, remember, so the rangers can match. Unless another team offers him like $4 million a year or something, and I don't think that's going to happen. The rangers will likely keep this second overall pick from a few years ago. I mean, it would be pretty embarrassing if they lost Kako somewhere else and he was the number two overall pick in the draft a few years ago. Let's see. Moving on. Sammy Blay. If anyone forgot about him, right? He's a winger and he's a restricted free agent. He came over in the uh, Bushnevich deal when the jury made the terrible offseason move last year of trading Bushnevich. Um, before... Sammy Blay towards ACL in November. Blay played really well. I really liked him. Um, I really enjoyed seeing him skate. Uh, he'll probably cost under $2 million a year, and the Rangers definitely 100% need to make sure they retain him due to Blay's size and skill and also to not be embarrassed for giving Bushnevich away for nothing, right? Blay played really well, you know, in the short time that he was here. Um, so we definitely need him back. Uh, another restricted free agent is Alexander Georgiev, but he'll be gone. Um, the Rangers are not going to make him an offer. I would doubt that they will. Georgiev had a long stretch this year where he kind of was a terrible backup goalie. Um, we have the best goalie in the league, in my opinion, in Shesterkin. And Georgiev, most of the season, was a pretty bad backup. And they don't want to pay much of anything for a backup goalie. So they'll probably release him to sign a minimum wage backup goalie. Um, he did play well in spots, I would say, at the end of the year, Georgiev. Um, but I, I think he's gone. Um, Justin Braun was a defenseman we brought over at the trade deadline. He's an unrestricted free agent. He will be gone. He was a defensible, defensible. <laughs> he was a serviceable defenseman, I should say. Um, but he was barely okay. Um, he was certainly much better than friggin' Nemeth. Oh, God, they have to get rid of him. Just dump his contract. Um, but I think Braun's definitely going to be gone because the Rangers have an absolute surplus of stud young defensemen coming up in their system. And certainly they can play one of them rather than Justin Braun for a number of reasons. Cheaper, better offensively, and just because you should. Um, he will be gone for sure, Justin Braun. Kevin Rooney is a winger and uh, center, I guess. He's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, I, I don't know what to say about him. Um, he was okay, you know, for the low salary that he has. He didn't even make a million dollars a year. Uh, the Rangers probably will try to keep him because he doesn't cost a lot and because the Rangers have no center. So after Mika, there's not a single center on this team uh, that is signed right now. Mika Zibanejad is the single center on the team at this moment that's signed. So Strom is a free agent. Cop is a free agent and Rooney's a free agent. So, you know, they need another center. Well, I should say that's, that's not true. Heedle is, is, um, might be the second center. We'll have to see how things go. Julian Gauthier is a last restricted free agent that I wanted to talk about. And he is probably gone. Um, he has tremendous size and speed and showed certain bursts of energy this year, but he doesn't have really any puck handling skills or passing skills to add to his mix. Um, if he had any bit of kind of other kinds of skill, I think there's really something to be harnessed there because he's so fast and he has such size, but there's just not room on the team for him. Um, with all the free agents that I just mentioned out of the way, um, I guess I'm not going to discuss other teams' free agents or speculate on who Drury should go ahead and get and target specifically, but I do want to talk about what the Rangers need to address. And there's two 
main things besides face-offs, because I already mentioned that, for the love of God, we need to win, get someone that can win face-offs besides those. Number one, the Rangers need more depth at forward, and most importantly at center. The Rangers have to get better up front and be deeper. And number two, the Rangers need to, in my mind, establish a checking line. I'm pretty sure they'll do number one. I kind of doubt they'll do number two. So let's talk about the forward depth first. It was clear that the Rangers, you know, in their playoff run as it went on, that they lacked third and fourth line depth up front. I mean, who, players who could make an impact. They, they played a grueling 20 playoff games in 40 nights, right? So 20 fucking playoff games in 40 nights, right? And that takes an extraordinary toll on the team. And any weaknesses that you have are going to be, you know, the bright light's going to be shine on them. And at the end of the Tampa series, you know, it was shown on them. Uh, Reeves, you know, was benched, you know, to try to spark something. Rooney played. Kako, amazingly, was benched, right? So we, we just didn't seem to have the depth at the end of the series there. And while Heedle played well at center, at least intermittently in the playoffs, there's still an open question about who is the Rangers' number two center. You know, who will it be next year since both Kopp and Strom are free agents? I mean, is Heedle good enough to be the number two center? Maybe the actual kids line that he plays with him and Lafayette and um, Kako, maybe that line should be the, the number two line, right? Um, as as they're set now. I mean, they played well enough in the playoffs for long stretches to warrant that. They didn't, really didn't play together much of the regular season, honestly. And they played together most of the postseason and did damn well. So it might warrant a pretty good luck. Um, there's lots of open questions, but no matter what, jury has to find forward depth and depth at center. Reeves, Rooney, others on the fourth line are not enough. They should try to sign Mott for sure, as I talked about, but forward depth is key. Number two. They need a checking line, and they may not do this, but it was apparent to me, as the Rangers played Carolina and Tampa, that those teams' ability to shut down Mika's line turned those series. Those two teams have excellent defensive checking lines that were matched up against Mika and Kreider as much as possible, and those checking lines negated negated (laughs) Mika's line. (laughs) Negated. They negated Mika. They negated Mika's advantage ads line a lot, right? Um, and they had more possession of the puck, really, you know, than Mika's line did when they were on there. For long periods of time, they'd be in the Rangers' zone while Mika's line was on the ice. It was extremely effective, like it really was. And it hurt the Rangers big time. The Rangers need to establish their own damn checking line. Like, you know, let's group three defensive forwards, either existing ones or some kind of rookies or new people brought in by jury, and try matching up against other teams' top lines. Mott, for example, certainly fits that role, right? I'm sure we can find two more role players, you know, uh, it's something to me that, that could go a long way, but only if you have the right personnel to carry it out. We can't just put any three and call it a checking line. You have to have the right personnel that are, you know, defensive-minded, responsible people with a little speed and can really check. Lastly, last thing I want to talk about, there's some good news here, right, and some additions to discuss for the Rangers. Um, there's two Ranger additions to the 2022-23 team that are going to happen without making any further moves. So number one... And a bit of good news and kind of unexpected, the Rangers signed Vitaly Krastov. Now, you probably remember, Krastov was the Rangers' first round selection and the ninth overall friggin' selection in the, in the 2018 draft, right? So the first round, he was the number nine pick overall. He, like a few other recent Ranger first round picks, was mishandled 
by the Rangers. At the beginning of this past season, he was sent down to the AHL for some reason, and Kraftstoff was, well, irate, I guess. And, and he wanted off the Rangers, and he asked to play in Russia, and the Rangers allowed it, and there was some back and forth. And for a long time, it was really thought that he would never play for the Rangers again, and this was going to be another in a long line of first-round picks that the Rangers sort of mishandled and didn't get any value out of. And that would have been quite a shame, you know, since he's supposedly quite a talented right-wing forward. The Rangers, as I'm alluding to here, have had a bad recent history with high draft picks. You might remember Elias Anderson. He was the first pick in the 2017 draft, seventh overall pick. He was misused. He didn't play well. Then he was traded away for almost nothing by the Rangers after they just devalued him completely, sent him down a hundred times, didn't get anything for him, and then traded him away. Um, Capocaco, the second overall pick, right? He was recently benched in the last playoff game against Tampa, I mentioned, right? And lots of folks, including me, thought that was a terrible decision. And another one where another first-round high draft pick now has a reason to be angry at the team. So for that reason, Right. This little history I'm going over here for that reason, I thought it was really important for the Rangers, you know, and Kraftstoff to make up. Right. And they did here. So uh, we can see what this Kraftstoff has to offer. He played in Russia this last year. They resigned him to a one year deal for less than a million dollars. Um, and he's going to be on the team for this upcoming year. And I'm very excited to see what he can do because the Rangers definitely 100 percent need more talented forwards and more depth and grit up front to be more competitive with the elite teams in the league. And Kraftstoff could provide some of that talent. So he's young. He's talented. Let's see what he can do. That's number one. Second piece of good news, in addition to Kraftstoff, um, Sammy Blay. Right. You might remember it. Blay was part of the infamous terrible trade that moved Bushnevich off the Rangers. We got Blay back. And Blay's a big physical forward who basically hits everyone and everything. Right. And before he got hurt in November, he showed a lot more skill and skating ability and scoring ability, really, than I thought he had. He tore his ACL in November with that dirty ass friggin Subon of the Devils when he slew footed him. Fucking Subon. Right. Uh, so Blay towards ACL was out for the rest of the year. Right. But he should be a full strength for next season. I'm looking very forward to seeing him. So with the addition of Kraftstoff and Sammy Blay, the Rangers do have two solid forwards that should be part of the team and may help offset, I think, you know, the free agent losses of the season. Drury certainly has his work cut out for him this offseason, though, um, with not much cap space at all and, and quite a few decisions that he needs to fill. Drury's going to have to do better than last year's offseason when he traded Bushnevich for almost nothing. So we'll see what he can do. And that's all I have for you today. I want to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends all about it. I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks and have a good day.